0: Good morning. Uh, We're continuing on uh, in our series today, Jesus Christ Superstore. And um, before we get into today's uh, topic, today's going to feel, I I think, a little bit different as I was going over the message. We're talking about uh, Jesus' ability to supernaturally and physically heal us. Um, So is he a healer or is he a sustainer? So we're going to talk about the healing work of Jesus today. Um, which I think can be a little bit of a sensitive topic. And I I tried a lot of different ways to structure this message, and I really couldn't figure out a good one. So we're going to work our way, which is not normally how I preach here, but we're going to work our way through a series of questions when it comes to healing. Uh, And then uh, what I want to kind of give you a heads up about as we approach the end of the service is that I want to give you all an invitation. Uh, When our service ends, I'm going to be over by the organ And if you want to come up and pray for your physical healing, I would love to do that with you. And so you can kind of think and pray about it as we're working through this material. Um, Would I like someone to pray over me for God to heal my body? Um, And and then we'll just kind of work through this content and um, see where we land, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We uh, thank you for his grace. Uh, We thank you that he is our healer. Uh, He is our sustainer. And we want to trust him in all of those things. Uh, Would you please uh, be with me as I present today, as I preach, uh, that I would stay out of the Spirit's way, what the Spirit wants to do. And uh, again, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So the first question we kind of want to go after here this morning is, do you believe that supernatural healing is possible? All right. There's a lot of different ways that this kind of shakes out for how people believe this. Um, One is educational level, a little more than one quarter. 27% of those with a college degree believe that supernatural physical healing by God is possible. That's compared to 37% of those with a high school education or lower uh, evangelicals, if you consider yourself an evangelical, uh, you are the most likely people group to believe that statement is true, that supernatural healing is possible. Uh, almost uh, 9 in 10 uh, people that identify as evangelicals strongly agree with the statement that supernatural healing is possible. Practicing Christians, those that don't uh, consider themselves in the evangelical thread, but they're practicing Christians, they're 6 in 10. Uh, likelihood that they agree with that. Uh, Among other faiths including Islam and Judaism uh, they are less convinced. It's 2 in 10, 20%. And perhaps the most perplexing part of this survey to me was those that express no faith at all. 7% of them believe you can be supernaturally healed by God. No faith at all. 7% of them believe you can be healed by God. God. Protestants, 55 uh, uh, percent are likely to believe that's different than Catholics, uh, that are 19 percent uh, believe that statement. Uh, black Americans are at 55% uh, believe that supernatural healing is possible compared to white Americans at 29% and hisparic, Hispanic Americans at 26% uh, believing that you can be supernaturally healed. And finally, if you live in the western part of the United States, you're 22% believe that. Northeast, you're 29%. And here in the Midwest, we're at 32%. Uh, and then in the south, the south knocks it out of the park at 43 <laughs> all right? So do you believe supernatural physical healing is possible for a believer? I find, and you probably do too, that there are kind of two extremes when, when it comes to this. One would be the cynical extreme, and you can kind of see this person when someone's describing their physical healing. You can, they're trying to control it, but you can almost see the eye-rolling Right, like They they just don't believe it's possible. They don't believe God still works that way. A lot of media can kind of be this way. If you've ever seen the Steve Martin movie uh, where he's the faith healer, uh, the charismatic faith healer, it is a very cynical approach uh, to to the idea of of healing, uh, that it's just for financial gain. Um, And just so you know, I'm not getting a bonus for how many people I pray for today, all right? right? There's no financial element to this sermon at all, all right? Uh, I'm just preaching what I believe is, is the truth. And, um, and then there are people that just always believe healing's what God's going to do. That 100%, he's just always going to bring healing. Um, he's absolutely 100% going to do that. And, and kind of cut from um, uh, this thread would be uh, the, the name it and claim it philosophy that some people have. That, man, if you name it and you claim it, God is absolutely going to come through with healing. And so that leads us to the second question on the screen for you. Does God heal? Well, I think it would be impossible to read both the Old and the New Testament and come to any other conclusion that then God heals, uh, Jesus heals. Uh, in the four Gospels, there are 42 accounts between all four Gospels that would be considered miraculous accounts. 25 of those are healings, 25 of the 42. Eight are exorcisms. Ten are wondrous miracles like the feeding of the 5,000 and three raisins from the dead and a partridge in a pear tree, right? So, right, so th- those are the ways. And of the 25 healings listed in all four Gospels, of the 25, Luke has 14 of them. And so Luke, the physician, liked this idea. He's like, I kind of would like to be worked out of a job here by Jesus, right? Um, and so let me show you these on the screen. Jesus heals the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. Great. He's a wonderful son-in-law. He heals the sick and oppressed in Capernaum. He cleanses a man with leprosy. He heals a paralytic uh, brought down through the roof. He heals a withered hand on the Sabbath. He heals a centurion slave in Capernaum. He heals an uh, 18-year-long crippled woman. Uh, Jesus heals a woman with an issue of blood. Uh, Luke 9, he heals many people, right? Um, He's like, I don't have time to lay all these out. He healed a lot that day. Uh, Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. He heals a man with dropsy on the Sabbath. He heals 10 lepers. He restores the sight of Bartimaeus and Jericho. And when being arrested, Jesus heals a servant's ear in Luke 22. So that leads to the question of why does he heal? Why does Jesus heal? And what I want to ask first, is his healing? An expression of his love. That Jesus somehow loves those that he heals more than he doesn't. Because everyone would agree that he didn't heal everybody. And the answer to that question, is it an expression of his love, is no. Right? Some people are tempted to feel this way. Especially if you're here today and you're feeling an angst about your life or the life of someone you love. That you've been praying for their healing. You might feel this core frustration and this core angst and you might be wondering in your spirit or even out loud, does God love me? And here's what I want you to see this morning. The expression of his love can best be seen in the gospel. That Jesus saw us in our sin, he left heaven, he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, he went to the cross and he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you more than you can imagine. And I get you're frustrated. I get maybe you're angry. I get that you have shaken your fist at him more than one time. You don't understand why healing isn't coming. But it's not a reflection of how he feels about you. That's seen in the gospel. He loves you more than you can imagine. And while I believe a lack of healing does not equal a lack of love, I do want to encourage you in this. Healing for you is on its way. The gospel also solves this conundrum for us because the gospel says that someday Jesus is going to return, and when he returns, he's not returning as a little baby, right? He's returning as a warrior, and someday every single believer in him will be healed. And in case you doubt this or wonder about this, let me show you Revelation 21. It says, Therefore, is among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And look at this, guys. He will wipe every tear from their eyes on that day, There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And if you are here today and you are struggling with grief or mourning or crying or pain, understand the gospel teaches us healing is on its way. That someday Jesus will return with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth and he will put to death all of these things and every single believer in that moment will be healed. So if the why is not a demonstration of his love, if the gospel is a demonstration of his love, then what is the why? I don't know. I don't know. I, I can tell you this. It is strategic in the mind of God himself, but it has to do not with demonstrating his love. The gospel does that. It comes to, with demonstrating his power and demonstrating his character and demonstrating his Authority. I think as you study the miracles of Jesus, and in particular the healings that he performed, one refrain appears again and again and again. The purpose of the miracle is to demonstrate his glory. Right? It's not to demonstrate his unique or special love for the person being healed. It is to demonstrate his glory, to prove who he is. It's to step into humanity and do something that causes people to wonder and explain, Who is this man? Who is he? And a lot of people wonder why Jesus came when he came. And I think, you know, like, man, he could have gotten his message out on Facebook a lot easier. You know what that technology also has done? It makes us cynical. Right? Can you imagine Jesus healing a man born blind on the Sabbath on Facebook? And all of a sudden you got the Facebook trolls going, I saw my cousin in Topeka do that. Right? I know how he did that. Right? So Jesus is... Power and glory and authority would have been diminished if he were alive today. And you might be tempted to say, well, wouldn't every healing accomplish the same thing, Steve? If he healed my cousin or he healed my spouse or he healed me, I can promise you, you would say, I would leverage it for his glory. And again, someday everyone will be healed. But right now, there is a rhyme and there is a reason to his strategy. I cannot explain it to you. It rests in the mind of God alone for why He decides to heal some and not others. And I'm not trying to make you mad. <laughs> please, please don't be mad at me for saying it. We just don't know. It's in the mind of God alone. All, all, all I can encourage us to do is to trust Him. In the Book of John, there's a man born blind. And that Jesus happens across. I want to share you, show you his story just to kind of make this point. He says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Who sinned? Right? Kind of challenges the question. Are there dumb questions? Jesus is like, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, no, it only looks like him. (laughs) That's not that guy, right? That other guy was blind. This guy can see, right? But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked, and he replied. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed And then I could see. Where is this man? They asked, I don't know, he said, right? So, the stated reason for the issue, as well as the healing, is that God's works might be displayed in him. It is for God's glory. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus uses this disease, this miracle, and then an ensuing investigation that takes place. Like, I don't know. All right, fine. Jesus healed you. I don't know about this Sabbath. And they start this long multi-chapter investigation. And Jesus uses it all for his glory. And as the chapter unfolds, you see him preach a little mini-sermon on spiritual blindness, trying to get the spiritual leaders to see man, The Messiah is right in front of you. The Messiah has come. I am he. And you are spiritually blind, just like this man was physically blind. You're spiritually blind, and you're not seeing me for who I am. The Messiah is right in front of you. Here's what I would say to you. Don't underestimate what God can use for his own glory, to be glorified. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to pin him, in, pin him in a little bit and say only a miracle will work. Only a miracle will demonstrate his glory in my situation. We think a miracle is the only way. And certainly a miracle is one way. Suffering well is another way. Sharing your story with people on how Jesus sustained you and helped you is another way. There are many ways. Don't pin Jesus in. To what he must do so that he can be glorified. There are many ways that he can receive the glory that he is due. Next question. Is faith tied to healing? A lot of the times in the stories, yes. Multiple times we see Jesus say during a healing, Hey, you know, your faith has what? Your faith has made you well. Well. I can only really think of one example where faith wasn't exactly tied, and that's where Jesus is being arrested, and Peter goes all samurai on him and knocks the guy's ear off. Remember that? He kind of lops the guy's ear off, and Jesus is like, "Oh, Peter, 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 Peter," and he heals the man's ear. I don't see any real faith expressed in that moment. Um, You also have James five that seems to tie faith to healing. James says, "This is is anyone among you in trouble?" Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see the element of faith in this text. But this text also begs a question. Is James promising that every person that is prayed for will be healed? And you heard me say earlier that we're going to be praying for people in the overall. So you're kind of leaning forward, right? Is is this a promise here that every person that is prayed for will be healed? And I don't think that's exactly what this text is teaching. Now, it is instructing the church to pray for physical healing to be sure. But the phrase translated there, will make the sick person well, could be translated, will save the sick person. It's the Greek word sozo, and it's used to describe salvation. So in the context of the whole kind of text of James, there is a focus on praying for healing, to be sure. But also we're praying for the faith of the sick person. In addition to praying for their healing. We're praying that through faith they would be saved if they're not a believer. That God would use that sickness to bring them into a saving relationship with him. And if they are a believer, we're praying that they would not lose their faith as a result of this hardship. That they would keep their faith and not be discouraged and not give up. And we're praying for that too. So whether or not God heals them here, we want them to have strong faith. And so we're praying for that as well. And you hardly ever really hear people Ask for that prayer, right? A lot of people ask for a prayer for healing, but they're kind of slower to say, Man, would you also pray that my faith would stay strong, that I wouldn't give up, that I wouldn't become discouraged, and that I would stay true until the end? And so James is teaching us to pray for that as well. And that brings the ultimate and complete healing that we need, that we don't need just physical healing, we need spiritual. I told you the story on Easter about the guys uh, that were friends with the paralytic, right? And they decide that this faith healer, Jesus, is in town. We got to get our friend to Jesus. He heals people. So they get over there. There's people piling out of sight, this small house where Jesus is teaching. And you got to love these friends because the reaction is to the roof, right? Let's get up there. And so they take their friend to the roof. They chop a hole into, the, into, into that roof. And then they lower the friend down to Jesus. And remember, they lower the friend down, and Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, your sins are forgiven. And this is a very loose translation, but essentially the guy's like, dude, that's not why I'm here. I can't walk. I'm not here to have my sins forgiven. I'm here to be healed. And he had a need that he didn't even know that he had. And I think that's what James is reminding us of. Is that in your desire to pray for physical healing, don't forget to pray for spiritual healing. And I think it's a promise that those prayers that one of those prayers will be answered. Either the healing will happen now or the healing will happen later and Jesus will show up and, and help that person's faith to become strong or to remain strong through their sick, sickness problem, whatever problem they're facing. And so James is instructing us. I think he's drawing a comparison between these two ideas. As you pray for healing, physical healing, don't forget to pray for faith. Don't forget to pray for the person's faith because they need that too. Now, I'm belaboring this point, but allow me to belabor just a little bit longer. I I think it would be hard to make the argument that James is promising physical healing for everyone that prays, also based on what he writes in James 1, just four chapters earlier. Here's what he writes. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. You see this element of faith. You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. What? Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So I, I think we want to have a proper understanding of what James is teaching here, that he teaches us that we should consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. You have to assume that the many kinds of trial that James is referring to, at least physical trial, would be at least part of it. And he seems to be encouraging us that even when God doesn't bring physical healing. He is accomplishing something good and beautiful through, the, through our faith in the midst of that trial. So, this is the next question. Are there people who have been faithful who haven't been healed? Well, yes. Yes. I sometimes think of Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead. We're kind of told that he kind of battled this illness. He's raised from the dead. At some point, Lazarus died again. We don't know from what, but at some point he died again. And I wonder if as that day was approaching, he's like, oh boy, here we go again. All right? right, Like, this this again? This death thing again? Right? So he's raised and he later dies. But I also think about the Apostle Paul. That you really couldn't make an argument that Paul wasn't faithful, Right? (laughs) And there came this time in 2 Corinthians where he writes this. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. I always love the takes on this, by the way. Some people think that this was a person, right? A thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, right? And I pleaded with the Lord to take them away. But I don't think it reads that way. I think it was a physical issue. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I mean, it's like Paul's planting all these churches. I know church people can sometimes be rough, but this is a little extreme, right? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So faithfulness is important when it comes to healing. But it's certainly not the sole criteria for how God determines physical healing. And I think a lot of Christians, maybe some of you in this room, have been beat up by this before in other churches, I hope. Not this one where you had been praying for healing for a loved one, you had been asking God to work, and some knucklehead turned to you and said, you just got to have more faith. You just got to have more faith. Are you going to turn to the Apostle Paul and say that? Well, Paul, if you have a little bit more faith, you know, no, it, it, it is silly, it is ridiculous. Are you going to say it to Jesus as he went to the cross? Where he was not delivered from that, you said Jesus. No, it's it's silly and it's ridiculous. So faith is an element of it, but faith is not the sole criteria for how God chooses to or not to heal, right? And and we can we can under we can understand this because we probably have a million stories in the room of people that you could talk about that they were faithful, they were good, they were godly, and at the end of the day, they were not healed. Of their disease. So it's just not the sole criteria. And it, so it leads us to another question. So when God doesn't heal, does that mean he's, not, he's doing nothing? That He's not at work in my situation? If He doesn't heal, does that mean He's not at work? No. No, it for sure doesn't mean that. And please, this is the part of the, the, the sermon where I want to turn from teacher to preacher. Right I've been teaching a lot of this. Please hear me a hundred times. No. No. Just because he doesn't heal, that does not mean he's not at work. He is surely at work in your situation. And you say, "Well, how? Well, he sustains. Paul said it best, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So understand, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you and in your situation. So when he doesn't heal, understand he does sustain. He helps, he empowers, he embodies, he, he leads us through. that the same power that was at work there is at work In your situation, to give you power to face the challenges that you face, He sustains, He redeems, right? God can and often does redeem our pain and use it for something good. I've seen this happen more times than I can count that all things work for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Not all things that you're called to are good. That is not what the text says. Not everything is good. Cancer is not good. Paralysis is not good. Sickness is not good. Those are not good things to uh, to, to go through. But he can use all things for good. He can redeem bad things to work them out for good. So I've seen people come to Jesus after seeing a loved one suffer well. I've seen people encouraged from the testimony of a person that is sick and has not been healed. But they have a testimony that encourages people. I've seen people sustained by the faith of a person going through hardship. Where it's like, man, I've seen you endure hardship. My faith is suffering. Can I borrow yours? You know you can do that, right? That, man, would you just speak into me? Because you've endured something similar. So he redeems. He develops. God often uses hardship and suffering to create really beautiful things in you and I. He develops, James says, our perseverance and our character and our faith. It's like, well, could this happen any other way? It probably could, but this is what he's called us to. We used to sing this song, he makes beautiful things out of the dust. And he for sure does that. He does it. And it is every bit the work of God as healing us. To diminish it as God's not at work is unfair and untrue. His sustaining, empowering, helping work is every bit Him at work as healiness, and He does it all for His glory, and His glory results in our joy. Did you notice? Have you noticed that refrain through all the scriptures we've looked at? He heals to demonstrate His glory, and sometimes He doesn't heal. To demonstrate his glory. I know we'd rather be called to one than the other. I know we'd rather be called to one than the other. But they are both used for his glory. And I think sometimes highways of the faith, sometimes these highways of the faith in Christianity, I think we become a little too obsessed with healing. And I understand why, but I think we would do well to become obsessed with his glory. A little less obsessed with healing and a little more obsessed with his glory. Whether he heals now or whether he chooses to sustain now and heal later. And please hear those words. The promise is he's either going to heal you now or he's going to sustain you now and heal you later. You will be healed. You will be. You will be. And if it's today... Or if it's when Jesus returns or when you go to him, either way, that is in the mind of God alone. But please don't mistake his not healing today as he's not going to heal ever. That's not true. He will. You will be healed when Jesus returns. You will be healed. So it's either he heals today or he promises to heal you later and sustain you today. Both of those tracks are for his glory. So let's put some of this together as we conclude. Here's what I think the Bible teaches. We pray for healing. I don't see any other way to interpret the scriptures but that. We absolutely pray for physical healing. We pray for spiritual healing. We pray for emotional healing. We pray for relational healing. We absolutely pray for healing our God is a God who heals and while we are praying for his healing we trust his will that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven a person who knows about prayer taught me that right And we know that he loves us. We know that he knows what is best. We know he's working a plan. So we say, all right, we're kind of in a sweet spot here. I'd like to be healed today. But it's possible I'm going to be sustained today and healed later. Both of those are a demonstration of his power. Both of those are a demonstration of his work. Both of those result in his glory. And both of those are result in good. I get one feels better than the other. I, I, I get that. And lastly, we live for his glory. So whether we are healed now or sustained here now and healed later, we seek in everything to live for his glory. And if we are healed, all honor and praise and glory are his. And hopefully, if you are healed this week, next Sunday there'd be a little pep in your step, right? There'd be a little pep in your worship step, I hope. Because right, you would walk into this place and you're like, I'm going to act myself a fool because of what God has done. I'm going to act like a fool for Christ as the result of what he has done. So if we're, here, here, if we're healed this week, all honor and glory to him. And if we're sustained today, I hope that you come in next Sunday and you still act the fool that the God of the universe has saw it fit, that he would empower me and he would sustain me and he would help me and he would send people to encourage me and he would not leave me alone, that he would be present with me and I think it's wrong to act like that's nothing, that is not nothing. It's not healing today, but it's not nothing. The God of the universe is redeeming your situation. He's empowering you. He's motivating you. He's sending people to encourage you. He is with you every step of the way. We sang it this morning. There was another in the fire. That's one of those great stories of, you know, we believe that God's going to heal us. But even if he doesn't, right, in the Old Testament, so is he a healer or a sustainer? He's both of those things. And we can trust his work because I think, through the gospel, I think he's proven he's good. Right? I think it's silly sometimes for me to be like, well, God, in addition to giving your one and only son for my sins and granting me eternal life, I need you to do this one additional thing to prove that you love me. I think he's done enough. I really do. I think he's done enough to prove that he loves me. Um, and, and so whether he heals today or he heals later and sustains today. He's proven he's good. He's proven he lo- loves us. And he's proven he has a plan that can be trusted. And so, I hope you don't hear this today. I want to pray for your healing this morning. And at the end of the day today, I, I'm going to be standing by that organ over there. And I, I hope we have a little bit of a line. I want to pray for your healing. He heals. He heals, and you will be healed. But I also want to pray that if he doesn't heal, you would be sustained. Because I think that's every bit as good. It's every bit as mind-blowing, if you really think about it. It's every bit as supernatural, and it's all for his glory. And that's what we're all about. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the example that he set in this arena for us that as he was getting ready to the, go to the cross, his prayer was that the cup would pass. But he said, even if it doesn't, I want to pray that your will would be done. Because he knew, God, that your glory and lifting you up was the most important thing. And so we, it is hard for us, but we understand that a lot of this is in, the, is in your mind alone for why you do and why you don't. We don't know the answer to that. But we know the answer to a lot of other things. We know you love us. We know you will heal us upon the return of your son. We know that you have a plan. We know that plan is good. And so right now, we don't want to get hung up on the one thing we don't know. We want to enjoy and embrace and worship you for all the things that we do about you. And Lord, I pray that every soul in this room right now and those watching online, listening this week, that we would 100% lean in with faith to trust you. We want to pray for healing. We want to pray for your glory. We want to pray for your will. And we want to love you every step of the way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to receive communion right now. And it's an opportunity for us to kind of remember this moment. Where Jesus asked for the cup to be passed. And he went to the cross anyway. Because of God's will. And so we want to learn to love that and embrace that. And we want to thank Jesus for his work. We want to emulate his example. And so they're going to pass communion out here uh, for, for over the next few minutes. And then we want to receive it all together as a church family. Because in addition to his power and be perfect in our weakness, he's given us the church. He's given us each other. And that is a beautiful and incredible thing. I pray that you would know that you are not alone. Um, that, that song, There's Another in the Fire, is describing Jesus. But my prayer is that it would also describe the life of our church. That we enter the fire with one another. And we help one another. And we encourage one another. And we walk with one another through hardship. So let's receive communion. I'll come back up and we'll take it all together as a church family. His body given for us. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for your grace through the cross. And your power made perfect in our weakness through your resurrection. May we leave this place embracing both of those beautiful and incredible things. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you guys go ahead and stand? Um, we're going to sing one last song. And uh, at the end of the song is when uh, I'll go over kind of by the organ here. And I'd love to pray with you if you want to. No, no pressure. I understand it's a very personal thing. But if you would like prayer specifically for supernatural physical healing. I would love to pray with you at the end of our service today if you want to come forward. All right? Let's close with one last song.